Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love talking to different creative people about how they do their thing. And this week I've got two terrific guests. Kevin Stay and Carlton Wilborn are two of the subjects of the new documentary Strike a Pose, which reunites the male dancers from Madonna's much-heralded Blonde Ambition Tour, which I auditioned for, and you will hear all about that in the podcast. Um, the documentary I saw first at Outfest and uh, loved it, and it's now going to be opening on January 20th at the Lemley Fine Arts here in Los Angeles, and then playing around the country and uh, coming out on video on demand and all those things uh, later on. You can learn about that at madonnadancers.com. But before we get to the interview, I want to give a shout out to Enrique Delgado. He donated to my virtual tip jar and it helps me pay for the expenses that come with doing the podcast and keep it free. And that means a lot to me. So thank you. Uh, if you want to donate to my virtual tip jar, you can do that at dennisanyone.net. You can also see pictures that go with some of the different podcasts. All the podcasts are archived there. Some other fun stuff as well. You can email me. Um, I'm looking for new questions for the observation deck. So if you have any ideas, um, shoot them my way either on Twitter. I'm at Hensley Dennis or on the Dennis Anyone Facebook page. Anyway, or you can email me through DennisAnyone.net, all that stuff. Um, I also want to give a shout out to my patrons on Patreon. Uh, I just started that a couple of months ago. I've already got a number of patrons. They get one bonus episode per month with some fun stuff. And uh, that also helps me keep the podcast going, keep it free, pay for things that come up. And it means a lot. So if you want to do that, go to patreon.com and just search for Dennis Anyone. And uh, the first two episodes, the first one was uh, Will and Belli doing All Observation Deck. And the last one for January, the current one, is Frank DeCaro doing All Observation Deck. And we also go off on a few tangents, and uh, I learn a lot more about Frank. So, And so will you. Even if you've been listening to his show on Sirius for 12 years, there's always more stuff to learn uh, and more laughs to be had. Um, oh, I also want to plug the Mismatch Game. Um, I'm hosting it next week here in Los Angeles, January 20th and 21st, Friday and Saturday, different casts each night. So many hilarious people. Willem Belli is going to be there on Friday night. Jackie Beat. Um, all kinds of people that have done the podcast. You can learn about that at uh, the Dennis Hensley's The Mismatch Game page on Facebook. Um, also, LA, LA, what is it? LALGBTCenter.org in their cultural arts section there. So it's next Friday and Saturday at 8 o'clock if you happen to be in LA. All right, that's enough yammering. Here are Carlton Wilborn and Kevin Stay. Hey there, I'm coming to you from the Hollywood Hills home of one of my two guests today, Kevin Stay. He's one of the subjects of the new documentary Strike a Pose, and the other person here on the podcast is Carlton Wilborn. That's your last name, right? That's I just seem to I remember it well, from back in the day when I was obsessed with the show and the whole thing. <laughs> so uh, Strike a Pose is a documentary that reunites the male dancers from Madonna's Blonde Ambition Tour, which to my mind as a fan is the tour of all tours. Mm. Like, that's the one that you remember that that sort of blew up the theatricality of what those kind of tours could be. It felt like a game changer to me. Is it just because I was a big fan, or did it, was it something new in tours? I mean, of course, there were always dancers, but there was something about it 
that felt next level to me. Well, it was my first tour, so I just thought every tour was like that. Right? <laughs> but I learned very quickly from the industry how everybody realized they had to up their game after right. that, that concert. And they had to involve theatricality and story and arc. And, right. And, yeah. And, and the next thing you know, Pink's flying all the time. The voice you first heard was Kevin so and Carlton will be the other voice, just to mm-hmm. keep it straight with our listeners. Now... We have something in common, the three of us, which is that the Blonde Ambition Tour changed all of our lives because I auditioned for that tour and I I did and I got cut. I'm a dancer. I used to to work as a dancer and I got cut right away, but I wrote a story about it because it was such a funny experience to me. My fantasies of what it would be like and how we were going to be best friends and and then, you know, and I kind of made fun and there were some jokes in there, whatever. I wrote a story about it and I, I sent it to all these magazines and Movie Line Magazine, the editor there, liked my voice and thought I was funny and a good writer. And he started giving me assignments. And I became a writer hmm. because Madonna rejected me. Wow. <laughs> right? That's but I still awesome. remember some of the combination. It was like Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit. Robocop. Robocop and Running, Running Man. Man. And then there were small and sexy Roger Rabbits, which yes. were a little <laughs> more. Yeah, I still remember it very vividly. Okay. <laughs> I could do the routine for you. I, know. I, I remember it. You don't remember it? I remember it like, like really? yes. We'll do yeah, it before we leave. I also want you guys to teach me the, the Vogue choreography because I sort of, kind of learned it from watching, but I, I'm sure I get some of the technique off. Wow. Okay, so the documentary it's, it brings you guys all back together. It seems like they wouldn't have had a movie if everyone hadn't said yes. Like, you know, so how were you first approached about it? Um, they found us on Facebook. On Facebook? Mm-hmm. August of uh, 2013, they just sent out this very long, very comprehensive email saying that they had this new project. What was amazing was that they said that they'd been following our careers for seven years unbeknownst to us. That's awesome. Yeah. Creepy! <laughs> like, mm, stalkers again! Yeah. Hey! Um, and yeah, and that they had this idea and they wanted to do this new project that was going to honor our voice. And then they said that they would come over a few weeks later and further pitch it if we were interested just to see what the vibe from everybody was. And they did. And they showed up. I think that was the the clicker was that a lot of people said, oh, we want you to be involved in this project, that project. And then it sort of disappears or falls away or it ends up being just about Madonna. And they were very clear they wanted to hear our story. And then when they arrived on time and in integrity with what they said they were going to do. And they were very clear about what they wanted to create. It was, it was, uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful meeting. I think when you say they, there's more than one filmmaker or there there are two. So Esther Gold and Ryer Swan, the project was spearheaded by Ryer Swan. Right on. His mom took him to see truth or dare when he was 11 years old. And then as he's gotten older, he started the question inside himself. I wonder what happened with those guys. He started going online saw that that was a sort of ongoing question, then he enrolled Esther. So Ryer Zwan um, is a political reporter. He's been doing that for the Dutch market for about 10 right. years. Esther Gold, long-form director, won great awards. They only came together for this project, and then they started to calculate and figure out who we were and where we were, and here we are. And you, they are from the Netherlands, right? They're from the Netherlands, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're amazing. So they have a really, they have a really, they have a very European perspective that I think is rare—not rare, but it's unique—and doesn't focus on the sensationalism that American markets tend to focus on, and that was refreshing. So, what were your concerns going into to it? Like, okay, we're going to do a documentary about this. What questions did you ask them? What What were you hoping it would be like? What did they tell you that that made you feel like you were in good hands? 
I mean, I think, like Kevin said, I mean, just out the gate from the initial email that they said that they wanted to create something that honored our voice. You know, that's been a very different perspective than other, because we've been getting offers for some kind of something to talk about her or talk about that time or whatever. Right. Celebrity family feud. You yeah. You're the five of you or whatever. But it was that, you know, <laughs> it was that they were coming in as a fan about her, but then using us as a tool to get into it. Yeah. That's the, the main thing that I was there to peep out. I didn't really care. Like, they could ask me anything at this point. I was really clear that I wanted to be free and, like, get my stuff out there. So I gave them full range to ask me whatever. But it was more about trying to be in sense if they were authentic and if they were clean by what they wanted to do. And then they get all of you together again at the end. First of all, where was that? Where you guys had a dinner near the end? Mm. It, was it in L.A.? It seemed... I couldn't tell what city it was. It in. was in Los Angeles. I think yeah. it was Maggiano's mm-hmm. upstairs in the upstairs room. Oh, right on. The Grove. Okay. Grove, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, knew, I was like, that looks familiar. I can't it's a place great space. Yeah. yeah. Did you have an idea of what the others have been up to in the years? Or were there some that you kept in touch with, some you didn't hear from? What did you know about each other? Well, Carlton. I knew. We, we, Carlton and I have still been working in this industry the entire time. And we right. live in the same town and we go to the same gym. So we see each other occasionally. Right. Lewis stepped out of dance completely. So I hadn't seen him in several years. Oliver moved to Vegas and I hadn't seen him in 15 years. And Jose I hadn't seen since the Truth or Dare premiere, period. Uh, and slam, I saw him once in a dark club in the middle of the night, and like literally in passing over yeah. these years, and that's it. So no yeah. idea what we'd been. And doing. for me, all, Oliver Vegas, Jose, and Slam, I hadn't seen or talked to since we did the game yeah. twenty six years ago. Yeah, I think like a lot, a lot of documentaries, they probably set out to document one thing, and then other things reveal themselves as you go. And the movie has such power because it becomes sort of a snapshot of of the gay movement over time and, mm. and issues like HIV and visibility and coming out and all of that stuff. Mm. Were you surprised at, at, at the power of that when you saw it all put together? I think I was surprised just by the composition itself, by, you know, what it was that they chose to tell. Right. And what they, cause there was a gazillion pieces of information yeah. that all of us gave. <laughs> Hours and days and yeah, days of real. interviews. Like we really revealed ourselves on all levels. Um, yeah, and then they chose a very specific moment, and it, but it was done with such beauty and compassion. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> they could have told a more salacious story than they chose to, easily. I feel like. Easily. Right? Yeah, easily. Uh, but there was a lot of beauty to it, a lot of, a lot of movement, a lot of dancing I in think, it. I think because, again, all of us, all seven of us, six of us that were here, Gabriel is with the angels, but for the six of us, we've all been really dialed into if somebody wants to go that angle to, you know, the salacious thing, mm-hmm. we can peep that pretty fast. Right, you can smell it. We can, you, you can smell it really, really fast. And everybody's right. just been not wanting to play into that at all. So I think, you know, and everybody didn't say yes right away. I mean, I think it took them pretty much, from Esther said, I think it took them overall a year to get everybody on board. Yeah. You know, because some yeah. people were just I think even a little too guarded. Yeah. Guarded yeah. about it. So, yeah, it was great to know that what they led us to believe they would be about, they actually were about. Right. And, you know, I mean, they're impeccable. I mean, I, I've told them all the time, I wish that as, as film executives and, like, leaders of a team, mm-hmm. I wish they would come over here and do some master class for executives. Because yeah. they do it at a level that just does not happen in Hollywood. Yeah. Their timelines are solid. Their accountability. They're transparent. They're grounded. They feel like... You and you can hang, and they're just amazing people. They do what they say they're going to do. Exactly. Right. Now, Carlton, you talk about 
finding out that you're HIV positive right before the tour or on the tour, it was when did, it was it coincided with the tour and having and not telling anyone. No, no. it was years way before. Way I, before. Yeah, so, I found out in yeah. 1985 that right. I was positive, and the tour was 1990. Right. Yeah. And what it must have been intense to keep that secret at that time. And at the time, we didn't know. We didn't have the treatments. It was a big. Question mark. It was I mean, a there sense. were treatments. I mean, I started AZT and DDI two weeks after I was diagnosed. Right. They were worse than HIV. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. truly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was the, the thing that was the most challenging for me was the time of day that we performed and what we had to wear. You know, so because most of those shows were stadium shows. Right. So we had to wait until sunlight went down. It was 10, 10, 30 at night. You know, we opened in like very small things and you're sweating. So for me, it was like being concerned about getting chilled. Mm. Right. And like getting a fever and like right. things like that. That's what I was concerned about. Um, were you, and you were worried about people knowing or you, did you feel like you could tell I was anyone? worried about getting sick and then having to expose it that way. Right. And that's what I was concerned about. But nobody on the tour knew. No one on the tour, no one in my family knew. My family didn't even know until years after. My, my family found out in 2006. That's incredible. And I was diagnosed in 85. So it was a long time. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It must have been to have the most exciting thing happening to you to be in these places and then also be having that question mark thing hanging over your head. Yeah, and, you know, it's like I think about, like, I was so jealous of you guys, you know, Kevin and, and, and the other guys because, like, they could go out and party and da 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 And little did I know that a couple of them were already dealing with the same thing. But my, my perspective was, like, you know, I can't risk you know, going out and doing a thing and a thing and a thing. I've got to be hyper vigilant. I've about got my to health. be hyper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I can't you know, push it at all. Yeah, it was it was a bummer that I didn't yeah. get a chance to be in the glory that was going on. But now I can, so it's great. Uh, high five. There you go. <laughs> what I loved about the tour is that you know, I, as a dancer, you always look at the dancers and oh, that choreography is cool. But in the tour, you guys all had a moments where your own individuality came through. I remember Carlton in like a prayer in that whole section. You had a big part. I remember you as the mermaid. I wanted to be a mermaid so bad. I would have laid on my stomach and just looked up and clapped my tail. Really? Yes. I don't know why. It just looks so fun. Maybe because like, you had to lay there. It was really fun. Was tell the, the tell mermaid me the story was, about the jelly. Tell uh, me about, I want to know about the mermaid. Because you had a great story. Okay. Well, you know, in, in Vigo, Spain, Madonna told the entire cast and crew to get your pranks out of the way now. Like, this right. is the show before the last show. Like, we're not doing, not fucking around on stage and their actual show that's for HBO. Just get them out of the way. Right. So, in Vigo, there was, like, a giant black dildo on the bed when it came up. And they said Elvis instead of God. And, I mean, all sorts of things were going on. Well, I thought they were all out of the way and that I had escaped unscathed. Right. You didn't get pranked. I didn't get pranked. Right. Well, then come the HBO show... And it's a quick change into the fin, right? So I'm running off stage, I run back on, I jump into my fin, and it's filled with strawberry jam. Oh, shit. Filled. Filled. Like, literally. But it's going to ooze out and be exactly. visible. Oh, yeah. Exactly. On HBO. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, I squeezed in, and it, it literally was, was coming out the top of the fin. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I swore so bad. I had no sense of humor about it. I was such an ass. Everyone was shocked that I was, like, I turned into, like, you know, the extra. Because he was so not that guy. <laughs> I was not the <laughs> And suddenly I was like, ah, don't fuck with my show, bro. It's HBO. It's HBO. It's forever. Was but it the live in Nice? It was the live in Nice. Of course. If you, if you the If you watch it, you'll see her get down on the floor and start mopping up something with her marabou on her skirt because she doesn't know why the stage is all sticky and covered in jam and it's because of my fin. Who, who did because it? Because Kevin oozed. Do you um, know who did it? I can't remember his know. name. It was no the, the black assistant uh, to Rob. Remember? No idea. The wardrobe assistant? No. 
Yeah, I can't remember his. I can't yeah. remember his name. I'm like it's totally spacing it right now. Oh wow! Did Madonna have a thought about the jam afterwards? Oh, she thinks oh, things like that are funny. Yeah, she was into it. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, what about you? Did you get pranked? I did not. You, you escaped unscathed. I did. Did you pull any pranks? I did not. What's the worst thing that went wrong for you throughout the tour? Like with a prop or a costume or a falling or lights? Or- I remember when nothing crazy happened for me in the actual tour tour, but when we did the industry run through, we had like a private thing at the studio. Mm. I mean, at the big hangar where we had the studio. And, uh, Disney. Stage, at, exactly. Disney. And, um... Oh, wait, I'm confusing. Sorry, I'm confusing. Girly show? Yes. Yeah, oh. <laughs> that's okay. Confusing to that's that's okay. okay. We, we'll take girly show anecdotes yeah. here. So in the girly show, there's um, the Beast Within. There's a huge rope net thing that drops right. down. And at one point, I go running across the stage, and I jump on, climb at the top, and I do a whole thing. And then I'm supposed to come down from it slowly at the next phrase. And the eye of my boot got locked into one of the ropes on the thing. So you could literally get... I couldn't come down. Oh, my gosh. And I'm supposed to come down and start this whole duet with right. another dancer, and I literally could not come down. You were down. stuck up in the I was stuck, and I couldn't... Good and I'm good. trying to perform and do my fucking thing, <laughs> do my thing. And in the air doing your yeah, stuff. <laughs> it was horrible. But you got it out of the way in the rehearsal. You know, so. Yeah, exactly. Who so. choreographed Blind Edition? Was it Vince Patterson? Vince Patterson, okay. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what went wrong for you, Kevin? I, I don't think anything ever went wrong except that. The jam. The jelly. The jam. And I, I, there was a moment where I slipped in Japan because it was raining outside right. and there was water everywhere. But it was nothing. I mean, it was nothing. It was a blip. You know, I think... Um, I don't remember us having any no, issues. No, Gabriel twisted his ankle. Good. It is because he did the flip and he and he, he slipped and, and that was in Japan. That was the only flub I know. Yeah, same here. Good. What was your favorite part of the show to do? Like, oh, I love this. Keep it together. At the end with the yeah, chairs. Yeah, at the end. Because you knew it was the last number. You didn't have to like hold your energy back and like right. save it for later. You could go for broke. You could go for broke. And it wasn't that hard anyways. And it was like, you get to actually relate to each other and to her. And it was like, it was fun. And meh, like, you get to fuck with people and... Say goodbye and hi, and you know it was all of that. all of those moments in it. I like the old father stuff, yeah, because that was the most acting stuff, and yeah. that's always been the other right. It was career. powerful, and it was also at that time very taboo bursting. That whole section was controversial, and I wasn't even thinking like that. Yeah. I was thinking like, oh, I got a moment to like do some stuff with her, and I can act. Yeah, like that's yeah. all I was thinking about. Yeah, because you you were also an actor. I yeah. saw you in grief and in other things, and. Yeah. And so you look for those moments where you can play a character. And, yeah, she and I had a lot of conversations about all that throughout yeah. the tour, you know, and sort of what we would be looking to do. And so it was great, to, you know, to be inside of the rehearsal processes with Vince and be in conversations, him as a director and him dealing with us as actors dealing with moments. And it was great. It was great. It was great. I love that. Now, you were in the girly show. Correct. You were the only one from Blonde Ambition to, to go on the girly show. Is that right? Correct. Was that weird with people? Did they resent it? Did it did it come up, or was it like good for you? Uh, well, I don't think any of us are really connected to her anymore. I mean, we had had our lawsuits, so the three of us were that had already on. happened. That had already happened. Jose and Lewis had their recording thing going, and I think that yeah. was sort of splitting at that moment as well. So I don't think any of us had any. Attention so there was nobody that it wasn't like you were all waiting for the call and only. Oh you no, no, yeah, no, yeah, I wasn't yeah. waiting for a call. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Um, were they totally different experiences for you, the two tours? Very much so, because, you know, the Blonde Ambition Tour, I mean, I, listen, I mean, clearly the Blonde Ambition Tour and Truth or Dare is the game changer for my life, so I'm really super grateful for that. 
but for what I enjoyed performing the most was the girly show because it was the most elegant. It seemed the most adult to me. Blonde ambition, like the Finn thing, keeping the fuck away from that. I wanted no interest. I will be in that Finn so fucking fast. (laughs) I was like, oh, that that was like way too campy for me. (laughs) It was fun, but it was really really campy. It It was yes, and I made it extra campy. Yes, so adorable. So yes, it was different for me just in the maturity of it and the elegance of it. That was your. That that was more your style. Now you mentioned the lawsuit, and the film touches on the lawsuit. But I was a little, I was a little just confused. I don't want to go into this in depth, but there was a couple things I wanted. To just clarify, mm-hmm. the lawsuit involved you and Gabriel and Oliver. Yeah, and my understanding was that there was something that you guys signed that said if there was a movie that came out of this, mm-hmm. that you would be con- compensated. Yes. Truth or Dare came out of it, yeah, and you weren't compensated. Right. Our, our contract it seems like a no-brainer. To it, me. it totally was a no-brainer. I'm not sure that she ever knew that the con- the clause was in our contract. What I'm starting to realize now is that her management may have kept it from her because it was probably their mistake that they let it get into our contracts to begin with. So before we even started the tour, it was there and with an amount and everything. It wasn't like it was oh let's negotiate. It was literally the amount. We're going to get X amount of dollars. Yeah, it was written if in if there's a movie. Yeah, which isn't the same as like a video concert, an HBO thing. Exactly. And so when when all of this went down and, and the lawsuit came up it, my intention our intention was not to drag her through the mud or screw her over our intention was to be a stand for dancers rights yes to stand up for our own rights and and for ourselves as business people and do exactly what she had taught us to do which is to be powerful strong opinionated mm. people who stand up for themselves i relate to this a lot because um i don't i was a writer on fashion police i don't know if you were oh, aware. okay so yeah, there was a writer's strike on, on the show <laughs> there was a writer's strike on the show in 2013 and it was one of those situations where I love this job, I love everything, but the, the way things were, I wouldn't have initiated it myself, but it, the train was going, and my conscience told me that this was the right thing to do, so I went on strike. Mm-hmm. But it was that same thing, somebody very powerful, Joan Rivers, someone iconic, mm-hmm. and you just, there's a fairness thing that is going to drive you crazy till the day you die, and you have to take a stand or not, you know? So I, I related to that. Um, what was the upshot of, of the lawsuit? It was settled, right? It was settled. <laughs> Here's the upshot. You're sitting right. in the I'm upshot. I'm in the upshot in this You're house. You're sitting in the upshot, darling. Holy shit. <laughs> it's, a, it's not a house. It's a compound. It's, no, and you have... There are five units here. Yeah, there are five there's, units. There's four, there's four, but it's four stories. And, yeah. and you own it all? Yeah. Yes. It's all yes. yours? Yeah. Upshot. This That's is the not, upshot. I didn't get this from that. I mean, I parlayed and worked and <laughs> right. sold. You've and done other yeah. things. I've done other things. But it, it was... It was it was helpful. Significant. It wasn't. It wasn't an extraordinary amount. That's the thing. I can't right. say because that's part of the terms. But it's like people think, oh, he tried to get all this money, and it, I literally just asked for the exact amount that was in my contract. Period. I didn't ask for anything else. And Gabriel asked for a different thing because they had misrepresented to him how he would be able to alter anything in, in the film. Right. And uh, they, you talk about this. He talks, his mother talks about this in Strike Trooper. a Pose. Yeah. She's extraordinary, by the way. She's wonderful. Gabriel has is, is passed away and his mother is in the documentary. And she talks about how there's the French kiss in Truth or Dare between Gabriel and Slam. Mm-hmm. And Gabriel didn't want that to be in the film because he wasn't out in that way yet. He just wasn't comfortable with it. Yeah. And he asked her, and she said no. pushed back and said, no, I want this to be in there. But more than that, the, the betrayal was that they had told him specifically to his face, and I was standing right there when they did it, anything you do not want to be in the film will not be in the film. And so then that was the one thing he said, I don't want that to be in the film, and they wouldn't take it out. 
It's it's hard. It's very there's hard. right and wrong, and then there's yeah. And it's an amazing scene, and it changed people's lives, and it gave people hope. And it's they saw people guys kissing, they realized either oh it's sexy, or oh it's okay, or oh Madonna's on my side, or oh I could be them. It gave people hope, and that the people that are seeing Strike a Pose now and telling us all of this. It's proof that it changed people's lives. It saved lives. So what's the cost? What's the it's what's so complicated? What's the it is. It's such it's a gray area. And and yeah, it's complicated to me. Like just as an observer, I can't imagine being. It's nice that in the Sue um, Gabriel's mom is able to see it from that yeah. angle that Kevin just brought right. up. Right. Yeah. That there really is. There was a purpose to it, yeah. even though she was frustrated. Her son's going through this thing, and it traumatized him, and all these things. She can see Fat Lady sings. And there was great value to what went down exactly as it went down. And right. he'd be proud. And he'd be right. proud. He would be but proud. you could understand why he felt that way at the time. Oh Absolutely. my God, yeah. So he felt so betrayed. I, see, they did, I didn't. Right. Because I felt like I was really clear out the gate. Cameras are rolling. If you don't want them to do something, if, if you don't want something seen, don't fucking don't do, do it, it for the cameras. That was my whole rule. So the fact that you had something there to then go and mince about... Don't use it. Well, then why did you do it? That's what I thought. Right. Because you let yourself get caught up. It's not her fault that you get caught up. That's right. True. But it would have been very hard in that game of truth that you ever to say no. No. I'm not going to. No, no. no. It would have been all right. We were just saying no. You say yeah. no. I mean, we all let our guards down. At that yeah. point, <laughs> we barely knew that the yeah. cameras were even on. Right. At that point. It's like one of those things that happen and you get used to it. I don't, you know, and I don't think it really was so much about... Originally, I don't think it was so much about the kiss, but about the interview that he had with him. And I think he revealed things in the interview that he didn't want out. And so I think he just felt safe from that moment on to continue filming because he had had that 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 reassurance right. that we had a participation in this film. And I think he probably would have been totally fine if she had come to us and said, hey, I'm making this movie. I want to make a stand for, for rights. I want to, I want to like break some walls and some barriers. And if she had come to us and said that, like as a team thing, like let's do this. You know, it may be difficult, but I'm on your side. Like anything. Instead of just like he's seeing, reading in the press, like Madonna and her gay dancers and oh, that's crazy and scandalous. That's all we saw. She never talked to us about it in that yeah. level. Yeah. If yeah. she just come to us and said, let's do this well, together, this, this we would have all been on board. This was before reality TV and everyone knew how that stuff worked. And, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. This was one of the first things that was like that. And, yeah. But what was also great about it, it was one of the first times gay men were shown on camera as the winners, as the exciting people, as they weren't the jokes and they were sexual and they were romantic and they were cool, you know? And that, I think, had a big effect on See, people watching it. See, that's interesting to hear you say because I don't know that I thought that we presented as the winners. Yeah. I don't think we presented as anything. Like, I yeah. felt like, honestly, we were just sideline ourselves. Circus. Sideline circus. <laughs> but I think a lot of the people that watched that would love to have been where you were. Like, okay. on stage and you're hanging out with Madonna and there's, look at everyone, you know? Well, I think what we've and, gotten, you're, and you're free and you're expressing yourself. What we've heard there from was people a freedom that world. I think people can What we've heard from people around the world is that they sort of identified with us as a sort of, like, fantasy family. Like, she's our mom and these are her kids and we relate to them because we relate to them on this level of being gay and we right. would love to be part of that family. And so I've, I've heard from people that they sort of fantasize about being a part of that sort of little nuclear fantasy family. Mm. Right. I think I absolutely. I mean, that's what the story that I wrote about for the magazine was about how the bonding that would happen, you know. Um, 
So yeah, it's just a lot. Were there any affairs that happened on the on the road between everybody dancers? Everybody. Really? Because that didn't come and all at once too. Right? And all at once. Yeah, we had orgies back and forth. But there had to be. We would invite the whole. You know, the new Donna and come over. Mark and Mark came over. He did everybody. Yes. No. No. No crushes. No. There was nothing. No romance. Nobody. Believe it or not. I mean, I think the only crush you kind of saw was that little slam and gay grill moment where they really had. But they didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. Yeah, no, they, they just had this attraction, and they wanted to see that what that moment was. Yeah, it was hot kiss. Yeah. yeah, but no, there was nobody. I, I don't think we were like nobody was thinking about each other. Like yeah, that. it's interesting. Yeah, what um, were there groupies? Go to show tour. Go to No, we can we can digress. It's okay. It's all right. Were there groupies? The people that would come to the show just to see you or want to meet you or like were, I bet if you went out to a club in that city no, like, there, was there were people that waited outside the hotel constantly and you'd see them in different cities and they were there all the time and always outside and then you'd see them at the airport or like I mean there were people that were around a lot I remember when we were in Sao Paulo we had a moment I don't know if you remember this and we were going out the dancers were going out to dinner right, right. and we leave the hotel and there's a flood of people and cameras and whatever whatever and this was a moment that I got like really freaked out because we got into our cars, and the cars start trying to leave the valet area of the hotel. And these droves of people, I mean, they were like ravenously on the car. To such a degree, it was like like, their an- like the animation was so intense. It was like, what do they want? Like, if they yeah. get the door open... And get to one of us. What exactly are they going to do? Yeah, what's going to happen? Yeah, 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 they're they're gonna gonna no, it was crazy. the apocalypse. Like, yeah, <laughs> really, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. That was a different. It was like, oh shit! Like something's really up here. What did you guys think the first time you saw Truth or Dare? Where were you when you first saw it, and what did you think? I, 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 I didn't get to go to the premiere. I know. I was, I was like, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of frustration coming from Carlton right now. I know. I was doing another job somewhere else. Bummer. Yeah. Um, I forced a screening. I felt. I feel a little bad that I did. No, 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 no. I don't feel bad that I did. <laughs> I, I'm gonna. I'm just. Truth be told. Truth be told. I don't feel bad that I did because it was really his own behalf of Gabriel and myself as well because I. All we had heard was... So the movie hadn't come out yet. Hadn't come out yet. And all we heard was press... Literally, she didn't even mention the press was going to come out or that the movie was coming out. So then we just started hearing about it. Um, and it was literally just all this crazy stuff about scandal, scandal, scandal. And I was like, is this what the movie is? Is scandal? Like, at that point, I really wasn't out either. You know, I'd only, I don't... When we went on tour, I'd just broken up with my girlfriend. And I was sort of... Figuring it out, and you guys were so young. You were all young. I was twenty. Like I hadn't figured it out. Yeah, but he was young and innocent. The other guys were young and wild. They were young and wild. He was very, very calm and reserved, and consistently peaceful. You were very kumbaya, like you and Gabriel. Yeah, had a very similar vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I wasn't sure. It wasn't that I, I wasn't clear about me being, being gay at that point. Because I was like, you know what? I, I, I identify as that. I get it. you know. Uh, but I didn't know what impact that would have on my career. Mm. You know, to suddenly be the gay dancer. Because then when brands are hiring you, they're hiring the gay person. And then right. people weren't signing on to that. And certainly in that year, it wasn't okay. Sure. Um, right. And if you're, if you're just under the radar, it's fine. But if you're the gay dancer, like it's just a bit of a different. Yeah. So you're starting to hear all of this stuff about the movie. You haven't seen it. You have no idea. No idea. Nobody's really talked to you. So I called her and I made a bunch of calls to her and she set up a a screening for us. And so I saw it in the, in the theater with just the dancers, the dancers and her. And, um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I mean, it was, I was expecting 
a lot more sensationalism. I was expecting it to be crazier than it was. For me, I was like, that's our home video. Yay, it's lovely, great. Nothing so weird about it. So she was there when everyone watched it together. Yeah. Where were you? In L.A.? It was in L.A. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just the three of us. I think it was like, you know, because uh, you weren't there. But it was uh, Oliver and Gabriel and I and her and maybe two other people. Um, and I remember just loving it, thinking this is this is not crazy. There's nothing in here that would be weird that I, that I consider weird or crazy. If other people think it's weird or crazy, that's their own fucking business. Right. So I, I, when she said, "What do you think about it?" I said, "It's great." So you were relieved and happy, and yeah, you went I, to it. exactly. I said, "That's great. Let's talk about the contract." And she like turned away. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, yeah, went, record scratch." Yeah. Then she went. I to, was into it because my mom was in it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> my mom got to sing. Got to meet her, and that was fun for me. Yeah. And when my, did you first see it? Oh, God, I don't even remember. I was in Bangkok doing some stuff for Body Glove at the time, and then I came back. I can't even tell you what I saw. Yeah. yeah, don't even remember. But it's cool that your mom was in it. Yeah, it was great. And like, and my mom, like, you know, like when the movie came out, all of her girlfriends, like, took her out to brunch, and she went and got her yeah. hair done, and they took her out. It was she, the whole thing. Yeah, it was the whole thing for my mom, you know? That's and awesome. Like, that was awesome. That was awesome for me. Yeah. Um, it's Jose's mother that's in Just Strike Just a Pose, right? Yeah. yeah. That's so poignant near the end when... He, she sort of wishes he kept doing it. Like, he yeah. had a, like that just keeps going. Yeah. It was like, it, it's so interesting. It's like, as artists, our parents don't always understand how it works. Yeah. You know? I mean, um, that's a little unreasonable. She's, she's a little more <laughs> than a little unreasonable. You know, but she's you like, know. why didn't you just keep doing that so I can have a house? Yeah. And he's... Which is he's even more. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, so I can have a house. Yeah. 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 It's very poignant, though. And it's there's yeah. so many surprising moments in the... Uh, in the documentary, I did want to see you guys dance together at the end at the at oh. the restaurant by the Grove. Stand up and do a little uh, Vogue, maybe or well. Holiday. Interestingly, we actually all went out to a club that night, That's and we, we all did. went dancing. And they That's filmed. They filmed oh, it. Fun. I just don't know. I mean, there's all sorts of extra stuff in the footage. I just don't know if they're ever going to release any of it. But we did. We all went out dancing together. As dancers, do you guys remember, if you is that choreography still in your body, or is it like we did it, moved on to the next? It's still in our body. I think. Do you know yeah. what I mean? We did. We, we, did. we, did. <laughs> we Kevin arranged a really great thing <laughs> in in honor of Vince. A, a, a tribute to Vince. Yeah, yeah. is I Vince put together. no longer with us? Or no, 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 no. Okay, well, the way you said that, I was like, no, 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 no. no. It's an honor. Yeah, they oh, were, awesome. I, like it was like yeah, a, like a, a lifetime achievement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, together, you know, when I got confused pieces. with him and and somebody else. Yeah, Michael Peters probably. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we put together this whole piece with like different varying pieces. This was only like a year ago, like a year and a half ago. Yeah, and it was it was extraordinary. We redid Vogue and Keep It Together, and it it really it felt in our bodies like it wasn't unusual at all. That's so cool. And you you got other people and did it as a group with Carmeet Bahar, the Pussycat Dolls, being Madonna. She did Madonna. Perfect. Yeah, it was great. I was at a screening at Outfest of the film, and then I watched it again. But at Outfest, I think Donna and Nikki were both there, the, yeah. the yes. backup gals. Yeah. yeah. What was your relationship like to them? Because when I watched Ruth or Dare, I thought, I would love to hang out with those girls too, you know? They were so cool. They were cool. They were really cool. Yeah. yeah. They were always on our side. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. They were very, again, very sort of motherly, like, supportive, you know. They certainly knew what I was going through and questioning and, you know. They were very easy. They are real easy going. Yeah. Funny, fun. Nikki is uh, family for me. I'm I'm one of the godfathers for her daughter. That's amazing. So we have a lot of ongoing connection and talk. Yeah. And when we did the screening in Atlanta after Outfest, I invited her to be my date, and I pulled her up on stage, and she got to say some things, and the fans fucking loved it. 
Because, I mean, they're huge. Like, Donna and Nikki yeah. are, like, huge. Right, and they both... I know, I remember Donna had a solo album. They oh, they probably did several. Like, yeah, many, I yeah. remember buying it and, yeah, and all of that stuff. Yeah. What was the m- most wild time you had on the road going out to a tourist attraction? Or was there memories where you're like, oh, remember... Or were you just... So busy doing the show, you didn't get to go. How many tourist attractions See? there were? There were certainly a lot of clubs, though. <laughs> that was like how it worked. Right? Okay, so can I tell a bit, just a pathetic story? I love pathetic stories. We love pathetic stories on this we're podcast. We're in Spain. It's all excitement. We had our after party as the group, and then the, we, all the guys are going to go out to a club. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to Spain. I'm going to fucking get laid and like do the hottest guy in Spain. Right. So we go. We first have our party. We go to the club, and I go. I have to beeline and go to the bathroom. As I'm standing at the stall to pee, I realize I'm so fucking drunk that I really should just go home. So I was in the club for all of five minutes because oh. I was weaving, and I thought, oh, no. and, and it was so weird for us. Like we were literally in bathrooms with people coming in bathrooms for autographs, and I was like, Dude, you got to go home. So I literally had no moment in Spain to do my thing. Yes. I went to the club, I had to go home, and I was like, you idiot. You went all the way to Spain and did nothing but get drunk. That's my idea. Well, we ended up at a really you... terrible club anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I only it was around with Antonio uh, Banderas' stand-in, so it wasn't that big. No. Uh, what do you remember, Kevin? Um I really enjoyed the Japanese club. Remember the one that had the, the jacuzzi oh, up, wow. upstairs? Wow, wow, wow. I yeah. really liked that, because they even opened for, for us when it was closed, like, we would just go, just dance, you know, not even with, not even expecting tons of people, just to open it by ourselves and just have fun on the dance floor. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I mean, New York was great because they were just. It was. It was. All my memories are all parties and clubs. Is that <laughs> that's wrong? No, that's. I mean, is that wrong? I mean, the new kids. Is that wrong? The new kids on the block had a party for us. That was really sweet. That's like, amazing. Jonathan said he had a total crush on me, which is really funny. <laughs> Jonathan, the one that's out, that's gay now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. He told yeah. you I had a crush on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it was hot, just a sweetheart. I know. You had a new kid. You should have told me then. <laughs> God damn it. Wait, when did he tell you? He, he told, told you recently. No, he told me a good ten years ago. Wow. I mean, we've been in touch this whole time. Awesome. Not the whole time, but that would be cool. Um, I would love to. S- that's that's a fun, fun ending. I love you, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> um, we uh, we had we had a party at the Sherazade where we went where um, oh I remember that where that Lenny nice. Kravitz was there and Sinead O'Connor. And oh was, yeah, that was big for me because I really yeah. they were big at the time and I mean they're just they're figures and personalities. I mean that I I've always been watching. Um, and then the Bandouche with all the boys. Are you going to go in Paris now no. with her, her Brits and Alain Gosselin and Chris Martin, all the models? No, and... I don't remember that. That sounds like well, a wonderful party. Well, really? <laughs> yeah, that was lovely. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Where's the weirdest place you guys have been recognized? Oh. The weirdest uh, place that we've been recognized? Yeah, somebody's like, That's hey, aren't question. you? Oh, in, in, a, in, a, in a fruit market in, like, Mumbai. Mm. That's cool. You're in a fruit yeah. market in Mumbai, yeah. and somebody says, wait a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been recognized in Thailand and all sorts of random places. That's cool. Yeah. But maybe For the me, Asian it's just like always in the grocery <laughs> store when I'm like completely in just like pajamas and thinking <laughs> right. I am truly just a normal person. And they're like, aren't you the guy from... And I'm like, oh God. Like that, that's yeah. always random to me. What did you guys learn about fame 
seeing somebody super famous move through the world. <laughs> What's remembering years ago, and I fooled around with somebody, and I mean, like maybe a year later went by, and then then he called me and was like, "You're that guy from Blunder the Dare," and I'm like, "Oh no!" So he didn't know at the time. No, I didn't know at the time. Well, like, like I, I would have tried harder. <laughs> yeah, I would have been better. <laughs> wow. Uh, um, what were you talking? Oh, how, what did you learn about fame from from getting a small taste of it as dancers, but also being around the most famous woman in the world at the time and, and moving through the world like that? That it's not something you turn on and off, and that you give your life to it and your privacy, and you have to be ready for that. If that's what you really want, yeah. be careful what you ask for. Um, you give yourself and your life to that. Now, if you need that fame monster to support your personality or what you need out of life, then maybe that's an easier route. But it's ultimately hollow. It's ultimately hollow. Um, but can be used to uh, to change the world. It can be used to, to do wonderful things. Yeah. I think it's the, the important thing about fame is that you realize that it's, it is... An empty nothing, and you, it's not but you can turn to, it, but you can yeah. turn it into something, right? And I think that's the opportunity that fame is. That's interesting. I think for me, it was just a sense of losing yourself, like losing, not losing yourself, but like you don't have yourself to yourself anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like you just truly will not, if you want to play at that level. Yeah, you just have to be available to everything, the good, the bad, the controversy, and you just gotta have thick enough skin to roll with it. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. I got to interview Madonna in, I think it was 95. It was a few years after I, and I told her that I got a writing career because she rejected me. And <laughs> she was nice. She said, oh, you took a negative and you made it a positive. And I asked her if she could be anonymous for one day. Mm. What would she like to do? Mm. What do you think she said? Mm. No idea. She said she would like to go to a club and dance. Mm-hmm. With you know, and just be a normal person and dance. You remember that was cool. We invited this was her. This ninety five. We invited her to Magic Mountain with us. We all went to Magic Mountain. Did she go? No, she didn't. But we were like trying to convince her, like, come on, put on a wig. Yeah. Michael Jackson does it. Ah, yeah. Like, just come on. Nobody's gonna recognize you. Whatever. Like, but that's how clueless I was. I was like, just put on a fucking wig. Nobody's gonna know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been great to go to Magic Mountain. I know. It would be fun. We sang "Express Yourself" in the booth for her. <laughs> I don't remember any of that stuff. Right. I'm not sure you were there. I, don't, I, don't I think, think it was, was definitely Jose and Lewis and Celine. Yeah. I probably was not there because truth be told, when the Jose and the Slam and Lewis crowd was doing a thing, I wanted. They were a lot. Yeah, they were. They were a lot for me. Right. Yeah. At the time. Right. But at the same time, I do. I do know that while I was somewhat embarrassed by them, I was also resentful mm-hmm. because they were free with themselves in a way that I knew that I wasn't. Oh, that's so interesting. I could never fucking tell them that, but I knew that that was the underbelly of what was really going on, and it was a bummer. Did they, you did you know that at the time? Or I was you, aware. Did you of look it. back later. No, you know I was, was aware. Really that, I was aware that they were doing their thing, and I wish I could, but I know that I'm too scared, and I know I'm too insecure, and I know I have to keep up this thing. Yeah, it was all double edited. Well, even in the documentary, there's a talk show that I think it's is it maybe you're on with Jose, uh, with Luis or Luis is on with maybe it's Jose and Luis. Yes, but they're on some like Maury Povich or one of those oh, shows, yeah, yeah. right? And they no, come we were out. Both on more. <laughs> I know we all. I just, I just uh, different uh, um, But but they come out and Luis is in these little booty shorts. Yes, and you're like, and even me as a gay guy, I'm like, oh, do you have to push it that much? It's the '90s. Like, calm down. But I can imagine feeling like 
You know, do you have to wear the booty shorts? I'm already Povich. And so he's like snapping a thong in your face. Right. <laughs> and it's, your own in, it's your own internalized stuff. That was pretty powerful stuff. It was challenging. Yeah. I, I mean, I was obsessed with them. Obsessed yeah. because I had never seen anything like it or experienced like, anything like that. Yeah. And, and me questioning like another breed. And me questioning myself, I had to really I was really watching them like analytically, thinking, is this what I have to be if I choose to be gay? Mm. Right. And so I, I really was watching every, every the language, the movement, how they were, how they acted. Is this, is this something I have to be or is this what I will become? Yeah. And I, I took the tour, the whole tour, and the traveling around the world and seeing gay people around the world in, you know, 90 days. Yeah. To see that, oh, it's, we're just people. Yeah. And we're gay. Yeah. Now, I brought my program from the Blind Ambition Tour, and before we started, you guys were looking at it. And you, <laughs> you saw a picture of yourself that was shot on the Vogue set. <laughs> And you laughed about, uh, I don't know, your body language or what was the thing funny about so you? I was so clueless. I'd never, I mean, they said, walk like a model. I didn't know what that was. I'd never right. seen people walking as a model. And so I just kind of like. Definitely not a guy. Not a guy. I mean, right. I, I kind of schlumped along, like just all simple and, because guys, when guy when guys walk runway, it's really understated. Yeah. Oh, like, they act like they would rather be anywhere else yeah. in the world. So I like, took on the character of a male model walking. Not trying. And on. it was just, it was not a walk. Yeah. It's and a great photo though. You it's a great photo, photo, but I just, I just remember being so clueless and they, they were like, this isn't working. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, they said, this isn't working, just go do something else. What do you guys remember about the Vogue video shoot? Um, it's David Fincher. David, David Fincher. Very cool. Um, well, she negotiated my contract with me on set the second day. Madonna did? Madonna did, because she asked me if I wanted to. She whipped out a calculator and... She offered me she, the prices and everything, yeah. Um, and she got a really good deal. My, you know, the contract for the video or the contract for the tour? No, for the tour. Because I was, I was associate choreographer. I wasn't a dancer at that point. There was another Kevin who you can see in the Vogue video. Tall, black, dark. Tall, black, dark. Oh, you know, wow. And you I just look for this. the one you've never seen in anywhere else. And yeah. that's the guy. What happened? His name is also Kevin. Interesting. Um, they, when she saw us working together, I fit better in the group. And, right. And he just sort of was on his own a little dark. In, yeah, in, his in his mood and energy. Yeah, and, true. It wasn't um, a match. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a match. match. We're going in another direction, as they like to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so she just offered me the tour. She didn't say she was firing him. I found yeah. that out later. I felt terrible, but um, she just asked me if I wanted to go, and I was like, I'll have to get back to you, and <laughs> she was really pissed about that. Um, but uh, but I wanted to make sure that I could clear my schedule, because I hadn't planned on leaving. Right. And I was in school. I was at USC. I was in, like taking classes. What were morning. you studying? Uh, business and film. Yeah. In the documentary, Strike a Pose, you talk about being really down and out yeah. when that happened. Yeah. Like, how bad was it? Oh, my God. Well, the summer before, like, I, I, I hadn't eaten for three days at one point, And I, I raided a, uh, a friend was on a set, and I went and raided their craft service with an overcoat and stuffed, like, apples and, and donuts in my pockets because I was just so fucking hungry. Um, I had no money for a phone call. I didn't have money. I had, I had a bike which was trashed, like a scooter that was just trashed because people kept knocking it over and knocking me over while I'm on it. Um, and at a, at a certain point I had no money, no way, no, nothing to put in it. And, uh, I couldn't replace the brakes either. And so for a good month and a half, I was breaking with my shoes. <laughs> oh shit. That's a story. I was that's like, a hard, lo- that's a hard knock story, I mean, man. I had no brakes on my bike. So I'm literally like Fred Flintstone breaking. With my- I was wearing through the soles of oh my, my shoes. God. And I mean, people were, I remember I almost ran into a cop one time. He's like, he was terrified for me. At one point, 
I, I, all the cars stopped suddenly and I couldn't stop in time and I literally shut my eyes and put my hands, <laughs> put, my, put my knees in and somehow I got to the other side of these two tiny little cars. I had no idea because I shut my eyes. I didn't even look. Yeah, I, I, I was like, I can't, I can't get through. So yeah, it was, it was a, it was a tough, it was a tough year. I tried out for so many gigs. I didn't get any of them because I looked like the, the youngest little Asian twink you've ever seen. Like, so when did it break? That's interesting for me to hear. So when did it break? Because honestly, like. To us, Kevin Kevin went on and did like phenomenal things. When did the hurdle come to? Because you started booking everything. It was late October uh, of the year before. It was, the, the audition was in December, and it was in October that I, that I was working at Taco Bell for two days because my mom forced me to. I I broke down and asked for money to pay for after our tour. No, before. Oh, before. Okay. Before I broke down, asked my mom for money. She gave me like two hundred bucks. My rent was. I literally was living in the ghetto for right. two hundred bucks. That was my three months' rent. Right. And I was working at Taco Bell for two days because I told her I'd get a job. And then I came home, and on my answering machine, I'd gotten seven jobs. Everything I had auditioned for the past two weeks before that, I got all of them. It was a movie, a commercial, a TV show, a live show, all of them. And I just, I never went back to Taco Bell. I kept my uniform in my closet like a Halloween costume. (laughs) That's awesome. And I, I just started working. And so I'd only really been working for like a month and a half before I did her tour. Right. And you were initially brought on as an assistant choreographer. Assistant choreographer. Did you audition for that or was you brought in by Vince? I just auditioned with everybody. I wasn't brought in by Vince. I worked okay. with him. One of those seven jobs was a Pepsi commercial with Cheyenne yeah. and him. And uh, I did all the, the cuts with the audition. And Gabriel and Oliver were sitting up front with her. And they were just chatting away. And they were like, anybody else who wants to dance, you know, do your freestyle. And obviously she had already chosen them. And we're just like, she's not even looking, not even looking, but I was like, I'm going to give it all I got because this is my only chance. So I went out and did everything I could in my freestyle. Locking, you lip sync for your life. I lip sync for my life. <laughs> I was like popping, locking, whacking, turning, yeah. you know, Balinese spirituals, tie, blah, blah, blah. I yeah. gave everything. And Christopher saw me. The brother. The brother saw me and, and Nikki. Yeah. And they both said really great job on the way out. And so it was Christopher who called me to assist Carol Armitage, who was then the initial was the initial choreographer. Yeah. So I brought in because she's a modern vocabulary, yeah. and I have just all this wide range of stuff. So she, right. they thought I'd be a good match. Well, then she was got taken away, and Vince came in. And since I just worked with him, he kept me. Thank God, thank you, Vince. Yeah. So a lot of little dots had to connect for yes. you to end up on that yeah, tour. That is very so serendipitous. Interesting. Yeah. Um, the documentary talks touches on this, but I, I'd love to hear you guys talk about it. What's it like when it's over? Just so you know. Okay, we got to wrap it up. Oh, if they come to the door. Oh, someone's coming to the door. Oh, the next. Person oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Um, what was the question? Uh, what was it like when it was over? All um, this excitement, and then it ends. It was fine for me. It was I mean, fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was good. I mean, you know, I as I always have done when I have a really big job, I start thinking about the next thing I want right. to do, so I don't have to crash. Um, so I was just there. Yeah, and yeah. I remember you were in the film Grief. Yeah. Um, that was right around that same time. Yes. Exactly. It was after? It was right after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. I think I, I didn't want to be a dancer. At that point, I, on tour and everything, I had only begun dancing with an agent because I ran out of money. And it was like, well, I've been dancing all year in a class that people were giving me free classes. Right. Well, let me see if, you know, I can get a gig. And, and I started getting work and never with the intention to make it a career. So for me, I kind of came off like, well, back to school or back to mm. anything else. And it, it sort of never stopped. I came back and I just kept working. And no one ever kind of let me have enough of a break to think of anything else. 
And that's, that's been, good. And then that's been 27 years later. <laughs> 25 years later, here we are. No, yeah, the most it is 27 years later. Yeah. yeah. What does dance mean to you guys in your life? Oh, my God. Lifesaver. Talk yeah. about that. I mean, you know, for me, you know, speaking about those, you know, valleys that you go through when you're not working and can't find a thing. Right. I, too, had a lot of resistance to owning being a dancer. Um, because it meant that I would be gay and then they might find out this other information. But every single time that I kind of would lean into dance, something would open up. So it literally is like a life jacket for me. Like dance has always been, dance, dance for me has always been the fix it for some part of my life that wasn't working. That's amazing. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I have to say exactly the same thing because it, it, again, it's, it's saved my life in so many ways when I'm down or can't find a way out of something it's what's natural and it's what speaks to me and and the second i'm in the dance class or dancing the world disappears and it just becomes this like this conduit of something else that just comes through and it's that energy that comes through that has me look at life again and realize that that's all just stuff Mm. that's all just situational stuff and that what's really real is is this it connects energy, you to what's connection true. to what's real. Yeah, that's interesting. And now there's a lot of footage of the tour in the documentary. So Madonna must have approved the documentary. Didn't have, to. didn't have to approve. D- didn't have to. Didn't have to. They, they bought um, they bought the rights to a certain amount of footage, and that she, somebody on her camp had to sign off on that. So okay. that was signed off on, but she didn't have to approve anything. Oh, yet. okay. Because I, you know, because there's a lot of footage in there. Yeah. So has she? Does she know about it? Has she seen? She must know. She absolutely. Have knows you had that. any word from her or anything like that? Not we from her to. directly. Yeah. No. When we were in New York for Tribeca, her publicist Liz Rosenberg, um, she got an industry screener and reached out right before we started and said. She saw it. She absolutely loved it for all these reasons. That's she was nice. going to recommend that M watch it. And then, you know, so we know that she's aware of it. Um, some other things have been happening and some tweets that she's been doing with certain words in it that she wouldn't be doing at this stage in her career because she's always going forward. That is her way of going, I got you. I got it. Seen it yeah. I got it. You think she's, she's some tweet? Oh, no, I don't think. It's, you know, yeah. it's what, like, give me sure. an example. Like, well, she tweeted, uh, it's time to strike a pose in all caps. Um, and she has not, she what did. other project that she's currently doing has she's mentioned yeah. a project from the past? Right. She, she doesn't, doesn't, doesn't do that. She moves yeah. ahead. She doesn't do that. So things like that. Yeah. You know, like, or like when Nikki and Donna had came there with their cover of Rain, yeah. there was a tweet that just said, it looks like Rain. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it's her little cryptic way it's of saying It's her way of saying, saying yeah. I'm aware of this. And yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. It's I, nice. I sprinkled some. I them. hope she would like it. And I hope yeah. that she would. You know, I, I hope that she would like it and have a respect for us. And I think she does. Together. I mean, also, in, you know, when we were still in the last phase of filming, so she was starting the Rebel Heart Tour. Right. And she organized a screening for the Rebel Heart Tour cast to see Strike a Pose. Oh, I'm trying to see Truth or Dare. To see Truth or Dare. Because they weren't getting along. She set up a private screening for them to watch it. Yeah. So we know that there's relevance that she sees us as from that time in her life. And she brought her daughter to see the movie. Because we weren't getting along. The the Rebel Heart dancers weren't getting getting along along. with each other. And she showed them the movie, apparently, to to say, this is what it's like to make it work and get along with each other and, and respect each other. Right. Even if you're different, to respect each other. The love that you guys felt for each other really came through. Even the people that you didn't see for a long time. Oliver, the only straight guy. He breaks Allie. your heart a little. Allie. He's sweet. 
Yeah. Yeah. Every I, I cried so much watching the movie, and I don't want to give away the reasons, but sure. um, it's different revelations, things that are... You probably learn things about the others that you didn't know. Oh, oh every day. <laughs> every day. I mean, stuff keeps coming out and coming out and coming out. This isn't like a dead project. Like, it's happened way in the past. Yeah. Like, Strike a Pose happened, and oh, I can't even reveal that piece of tidbit information, but... It's been an ongoing process from day one. We're, we're learning to know each other again, mm-hmm. learning all about what happened in that time period. Because when we did the movie, we all did our interviews separately. So we each gave our own perspective, and only they saw the whole picture. Right. So now that we've been together and seeing each other, we get to compare notes. Yeah. Finally, after 25 years, I'm like, yeah. oh my god, so many miscommunications and misinformation and just... And the reunion was, yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing. You haven't seen each other. It's so yeah, beautiful. And to have, to be able to see someone after 25 years, 25 years of wisdom and experience and have the ability to tell people how much they mean to you and be aware that that's important to say, mm-hmm. that opportunity was just wonderful to have. And I'll say for myself, getting to do that reunion scene made me realize how much all the guys really, really meant to me. Even the ones, because again, I, I hadn't talked to three of them since we did the job, yeah. Yeah. but it really brought it back how much, really, they were special to me. Like, at one point, it's interesting, I can't remember, somebody was doing a tweet, I think somebody was doing something with you online, and trying to do some dig about something and something and something, and I just felt this, like, big brother support, and I just, like, <laughs> shut this guy down, it's like, mm-hmm. stay in your lane. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I was just like, oh my god, it's like, this is fucking family. I might not, not agree with everything, but you don't get to come at them like that. Yeah. yeah. And that was in regards to Kevin. Yeah, I, I think so. Maybe, yeah. 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 Or it was about the dynamic oh, of the yeah. guys right. and something and that was happening with the movie. It's like, yeah. you don't get to speak on this yeah. you you don't know it. Trust me. <laughs> what's, the, what's come out of the documentary that surprised you? Because I know you've done festivals and things like that. What has it meant to you to be part of it, to have this thing happen? Um, to have a real serious impact on people's lives, like yeah. a real serious, not from just like, oh, you were fun and cute and all of that. But like when we get to like be in the rooms and see people crying and literally coming up and saying, you know, like there's something like serious impact. Every single one of us in our lives is doing what we do to some degree to give some confirmation that we meant something. You know what I mean? And so this film has really just put a solid stamp on that, that you guys have done. If, if we didn't do anything else at all, solid work has been done. And the ease I've found in sharing, like I feel more an open book than I've ever been before. Mm-hmm. And I, I see the value in that. It, it, yeah, it's an ongoing, ongoing revelation and you get to see people be affected by it. You're, you're, you're at totally. the festivals and you're watching them. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how can people see the film? Strike a pose. Go to www.madonnadancers.com. All the information is there, as well as uh, upcoming screenings and more details, and they get revealed there. Because I know first. it's opening in L.A. soon. But <coughs> January do they, do they know anything about video on demand? And, and, uh, not that we can we announce. Can't speak okay, nothing, yeah. okay. But there's like 20 different cities. Okay, so it's, it's going to be around because yeah. a lot of my listeners are all Starting in New York, January yeah. 18th, starting in L.A., January yeah. 27th. There's like Orange County, Santa Ana, Dallas, there's like Chicago, Arizona, Arizona York, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jersey, like there's all sorts of places, yeah. Okay, last question. If you were to run into Madonna right now, today, outside, <laughs> what would you want to talk about? What do you think it would be like? What, what, what do you imagine that could be like? I, for, first, I'd say thank you. 
Yeah, totally. I, want, I really want to express my gratitude over the, everything that happened and what she did for us and, and just be clear <laughs> that, that every, just be clear about everything that happened. It was just about my stand for dancers' rights. I've never stopped loving her. I admire that, by the way. I know you probably took a lot of shit over the years in different ways. I did. (laughs) I I think it took a lot of courage. And I, 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 if somebody that's been involved in something similar to that, I kind of get an idea of the the complicatedness of that. So I I think it's, I admire you. And I just want to hear that she's happy. Yeah. Because she spoke so much about having having a family. Uh, And so I always wanted that for her. And I want to know, I would love to know that, really know that she's, she's happy with her family and, where she's been and come. I'm sure she is. <laughs> but it'd be nice to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, what would you like to talk about with her? <clears throat> mm, I don't know that I feel like I want to talk about anything specific. I, I just look forward to being with her with the groundedness that I am today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you, know, you guys were so young. It's hard to... to we're not that young. I mean, I was 26. Yeah. yeah. You were the, the oldest, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel paternal with the others? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Awesome. I love talking to you guys. I could talk to you all day. This is such a part of my life, and I think I'm your target demo of this film. I'm like, and awesome. um, I'm glad that other people are loving it too. At Outfest, everybody in there was like was so into screen. it. They all screen. had questions. It was awesome. So thank you, thank you for today. Thank and, you. And uh, go see Strike a Pose wherever you can see it, and watch for it on any platform you can see it. Because it's um, if you're a fan of the tour, it delivers all of that, but it delivers so much more. And um, you know, I have tissue, wet tissues too. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Thanks again to Carlton and Kevin. Check out their movie Strike a Pose. If you're in LA, it opens January 20th at the Lemley Fine Arts, and then it'll be playing all over the country and video on demand and all that stuff too. So enjoy it. All right, so this happened. Okay, it's awards season, and that means there's lots of special screenings and everyone's schmoozing and all of that stuff. And I got to go to a screening last night of Heller High Water at the Writers Guild. And I'd already seen it during the summer, and I really loved the movie. And uh, the writer, Taylor Sheridan, was there, and he gave a great Q&A. And I even liked the movie more the second time. So if you haven't seen it already, you have to see it. And Taylor used to be an actor. He was on Sons of Anarchy, and he's done, like, day-playing parts. And he's worked consistently as an actor. Um, But uh, he talked about how he, you know, got into writing and, and changed careers. But he's really handsome, is the point. That's the point I'm trying to get to. And he had this, like, really nice fitted suit on last night. And you know on the awards circuit, Tom Ford is like, hold on a second, I was supposed to be the hot one. What the fuck is happening? But, um, you know what, we're all just going to have to do with, do with two hot ones. And I also think Barry Jenkins is hot, the director of Moonlight. So maybe it's just a, a, a hottie fest. Okay, speaking of guys and uh, horniness and stuff like that, Um, The Golden Globes were on, and I just want to shine a spotlight on this shtick that straight guys do where they kind of do gay stuff for laughs. Uh, Jimmy Fallon's opening number had two bits of that. It had Ryan Reynolds laying on the piano and looking all moony at uh, Jimmy Fallon, and then he does this whole dance thing with Justin Timberlake, and it's that same weird joke gay thing and and then ryan reynolds kissed andrew garfield when ryan gosling won the award for la la land and you know what i'm not offended i don't find it super offensive i don't even know but i just think a little goes a long way and so i have a new rule i think that we should sign a petition to get this started if you're gonna do that sort of guys in love homoerotic shtick for laughs 
you should have to suck a cock, at least one cock. You have to suck one cock for each time you do it. And that means that Ryan Reynolds has a bag full of cock coming his way, because he seems like he's doing it all the time. I think he should have a, a bukkake party. And if somebody, for whatever reason, medical reasons, or I don't know, they're not able to suck the cock, then they should at least have to go call Gay Bingo at Hamburger Mary's. Because I feel like they're going to that well a little too often, and it's sort of annoying, and I don't know what it is, but it's like, fine, do all the jokes you want, but you know what? Cut the balls and suck the cock. That's what I'm saying. All right, that's <laughs> that's all the time I have. I, have. I got really crass there at the end. I, I hope there's not, like really sensitive people that have been loving what I do and now just checked out. But you know what I'm saying? A little of that goes a long way. What's that about? Anyway. All right. That's all the time we got right now. So thank you for listening uh, and join us next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye. (laughs) 